Hey there, it's Carolyn. Before we start today's podcast, I wanted to tell you about a brand new challenge that we have starting over in the Homestead Kitchen membership really soon. This one is all about making your very own herbal oils and culinary oils and cosmetic oils and turning them into salves and balms for your herbal medicine cabinet. If you're interested in joining me for the Herbal Oils and Salves Challenge, then go to homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Again, that's homesteadingfamily.com forward slash podcast dash herbal oils. Hey, you guys, this is Josh and Carolyn with Homesteading Family, and welcome to this week's episode of the Pantry Chat Food for Thought. This week, we're talking about gardening and specifically about reading seed packets and catalog descriptions and nursery plant tags and being able to decipher all the information that's on them so that you can grow a great garden this year because some of that information is really important to know before you get those plants into the ground. Absolutely. And now is the time to be planting your garden, ordering your seeds, and just getting it together, even if you're like us in a cold climate, Mm -hmm. northern cold climate. Um, Some of you are already well on it and have got starts going. And might, you know, if you're down south, you may even have some uh, things out in the ground. Yeah, we're actually even way up here getting ready to start Mm -hmm. a few really early plants that are going to get transplanted out into the cold frames. And so I'm excited about that. But really, you know, we're saying now is the time in the world that we have at the moment, it would have been really good to have already had your seeds. So hopefully you already have them on hand. If not, get them now. (laughs) Well, and you know, something we're not even talking about really starting to get ahead on your seeds. We're, Mm -hmm. We're actually, you're ahead and have a bit of a stock. And so while we're always ordering new seeds and keeping them fresh, we don't necessarily have the perfect long-term storage solution, but we have a pretty good one. Um, it's good to just be staying ahead. Yeah. You know, it's, we, we, I don't, I don't Absolutely. think we're having quite, everybody's not quite as behind as they were. I'm not sure. I haven't been hearing that. I don't know if you are, no, as I they were say a year ago, you know, to two years ago, but um, it'll come, it'll come again. So good to be ahead. Always good to be ahead. Yep. Good. Yeah, but before we get to that, there's just a little bit of chit-chat and uh, the catching up to do. Yeah. we're just here once a month now. I Yeah, just with you and me. Yeah. It's just kind of once a month. Yeah, you is... and I, but we are going to be bringing on more guests. We are, and... in fact, coming up on the next regular pantry chat is Mary from Mary's Nest, and she and I are having a great discussion about lessons we can learn and pull out of the Great Depression era and learn from some of our elders. And boy, has she got amazing stories. It is really fun. We have a great conversation. So anyways, that one is coming up in about two weeks. So it'll be good. Along with, um, I'm going to be having on a lot of the STS instructors, our new instructors Mm -hmm. as they're coming on. And I can't commit to anybody right at the moment because we're in discussions, but um, we're going to be trying to bring on those instructors as Mm -hmm. well onto the pantry chat and get to know them a bit. Some people don't know what STS is. School of Traditional Skills. If you don't know what STS is, you're behind in times. (laughs) (laughs) Um, School of Traditional Skills is the online school that we launched last year. 
uh, to broaden the scale and the knowledge base that we're sharing with you guys to help you in your journey. I like to say to greater health, freedom and security within this homesteading lifestyle. And so we have got instructors over at the school like Joel Salatin and Paul Gauchi from Back to Eden Gardening, of course, Carolyn, <laughs> Sally Fallon Morell. That's right. Melissa, Melissa K. Norris. Norris, Brandon Sheard, the Farmstead Meatsmith. Um, we just had on Dr. Patrick Jones on Herbal First Aid. And um, we've got Patrick Rorman coming up soon with a class all about knives, homestead knives. Yay. Uh, along with homestead design. I'm really excited about this one. Nicholas Bertner from School of Permaculture is going to be creating a homestead design class based from permaculture methodology um, for us as well. So those are some of the upcomings besides a lot more stuff. So we'll make sure there's a link down below uh, to the School of Traditional Skills if you're not familiar with that yet. And um, I need to be careful not to bump the screen. <laughs> Stop wiggling the camera, honey. <laughs> Get excited. So anyways, but besides that, what's going on with you, which I think starts right here with... Oh, what's going on with me? I think, yeah, I mean, we can talk about this one first because this is this is a big part of things that I like to do and I'm really excited about is our magazine here at Homesteading it's Family. Thicker. It it's, is. This it's one more is, content is like 50 something pay. I wish I could. I don't know. Can you? Are you on the right? Like, look at hard. all of this. That's a little hard to see. But it is it is cool. It is really neat. And it's uh, something that I really love getting to work on. Um, this issue is all about convenience meals and so we really dive into convenience meals um and some of that is canning learning how to can some convenience meals we talk about cooking we talk about great depression cooking we talk about all sorts of amazing things dehydrating freeze drying we cover all sorts of topics in here so it's mostly well there's a lot of fresh cooking too um, but, uh, there is a lot of how to preserve things, which is just something that's a little hard to get your hands on, like how to preserve whatever the food is. Mm -hmm. uh, so like in particular, a lot of particular foods, usually we're covering one type of food, but we really felt like this type of time of year, it's a great time to start getting extra convenience meals, um, on your shelf or in your freezer or, you know, maybe even just in the fridge for later yeah. in the week. And so we really dove into that here. This is, uh, there's a baked oatmeal recipe in here that is amazing. We're enjoying it a ton at our house. Absolutely. So anyway, so I've been working on this. If you don't know about this, if you have not subscribed to this yet, I will put the link below because it is a monthly digital magazine. This is the only physical copy in existence. I just want to be really yet. clear. Yet we are working towards a physical magazine, but it's going to be at least a year out. So don't get too excited. <laughs> well, and, 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 you know, for that reality to come, we, we need you guys to jump in yeah. and, and help with the digital. That's what helps growing it. It's getting thicker. It's getting more content in it. And, um, you know, the more subscribers we get there, the more Absolutely. we can grow this because while we love digital products, we also know we love, we know you guys love physical products yeah, and want to have some of these things in their hands, but it's a big endeavor to, to produce this and we're doing it kind of grassroots. So yeah, um, yeah jump in and, and check it out. So anyways, I've been working on that, but aside from that, I'm just, you know, I'm working on growing baby here. 
Baby. Yeah, you, you said she, she's got I'm this growing. app, you know, we, this is traditional living meets new technology. <laughs> and so she's got this app and said that he was a cantaloupe, <laughs> but like 18 inches. We were both like, isn't that more like a watermelon? Yeah. I've never seen an 18 inch five and something pound cantaloupe <laughs> that I know. I don't know. I don't walk around with a scale looking at cantaloupes either. So um, baby's getting big. We're getting close. We're about 40 days as of this filming to the due date. So that is coming up quickly, which means I am in like full blown nesting mode. We are organizing. We are cleaning. I'm no place is safe from me at the moment in this house. <laughs> and we're getting a lot done and just kind of getting, getting ready. You're so, glowing. You have oh, this, you have thank this. Thank you beautiful third trimester clothes. You just look <laughs> well, like you. you're, you're getting ready for motherhood and you're happy and healthy and and totally uncomfortable good. at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Well, so that is a lot of what I've been up to. What about you? Got my feet up on the coffee table where I'm not supposed to and just kicking back. Mm-hmm. Watch, watching me work, huh? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, well, a lot of planning this time of year. And um, one of the big thoughts on our mind this year is orcharding mm-hmm. and perennials. We have quite a few trees that were here on the property, and we've been doing a lot of infrastructure uh, over the last several years, uh, increasing or implementing infrastructure changes, water systems, um, uh, shaping land. Uh, besides all the normal stuff and it's i keep wishing we got to get to trees we got to get to more trees which have we actually have a nursery with 50 something trees in it that it's a little random but there are a lot of local trees from around here and so really starting to think about that a lot to see what we can do this year mm-hmm. uh, along with just honing in as we've talked about in other pantry chats what are our major projects and uh, what are we going to focus on first what can we do so uh, a lot of thinking going into that along with just building the school of traditional skills is a lot of my wintertime work right now and uh, we're building team. We've got just people coming on that are helping grow the team and lift the work a little bit because it's a lot of work. It's been a lot of work yeah. for you. It's been a lot of work for me and a lot of others. So um, we're hiring, bringing new people in, and then just finding instructors. And like I said, we've got a couple of them coming up. A um, couple more, the Dowerties, if you guys are familiar with Sean and Beth Dowerty, are going Ooh, to be teaching so some exciting. classes this summer. Very excited about them. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those are the ones I know I can talk about right now because we're committed mm-hmm. along with some others. So just a lot of work on, um, class planning, uh, structuring these classes and then getting them filmed. So I'm still traveling a bit this year, uh, actually directing and producing the filming of these classes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's exciting. It's exciting it to is. see it all come it, together. It is. Yeah. It, it's like a collection of the classes that I um wish that I had mm-hmm. when I started homesteading, but also the classes that I wish I had right now. So I'm really yeah. excited because there's a lot of classes that I'm like, oh, I've needed this class for so long, even this far into my journey. So it makes me excited. Well, <laughs> I'm like, oh, good, you're going to do that class because I totally need to learn that skill. Well, and the biggest complaint we've had about the school, because you can't make everybody happy, right? is where were you three years ago? Right. Where were you five <laughs> years ago? I needed just this, just this class set. And we're trying to build a school in a way that's helping you with the journey, not just random classes. As it gets a little bit bigger, we're going to do some more maybe yeah. sideways fun stuff and crafting and, and more of the the, the crafting and, and some of those skills. But right now we're trying to build out classes that help you guys 
on your journey, accelerate the path. And we've heard that from a lot of people like, this is awesome. You should have been here five years ago. Well, we're here now. I agree. I agree with that. <laughs> we're here now. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll get them up. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of production. This is not YouTube filming. No, this, this is professional, high quality filming with high quality education to where we're not wasting any time. We're working through processes to help you, you know, spend minimal amount of time in front of the screen learning. I mean, that, that's part of it, but then to get you out there quickly, mastering the skill. Um, so that's, that's exciting stuff. It's fun to be doing. You can tell this is something we're really passionate about because we get excited starting to talk about it, even though we've been working really hard on it for the last couple of years. Yeah. It still makes us excited. So, <laughs> so if you haven't checked it out, the link will be in the show notes or in the description. Uh, depending on where you are watching or listening in for you uh, here for the pantry chat. Well, and before we move on, I want to say one last thing. <laughs> Make sure even if you go over and check it out and you're not ready to subscribe, I know subscriptions are a commitment. Um, make sure you get on the email list because we are starting a blog there. It's going to be a very in-depth blog and mm -hmm. like homesteading family, it's going to have complimentary resources and, and um, knowledge base there coming. And we're working on getting a lot of that content out. So there's going to be a lot of education besides just the subscription model. Well, so, and there's a lot of free trainings. Well, there, yeah, live there's trainings. live every month. We've got a new instructor with a new skill just about every month. There's a community launching uh, in April. So at least get over there and get on the email list so you stay up to date with what's going on and take advantage of the resources there uh, as they're coming. Okay. Yep. Question of the day. I actually put two on there today, but I think they're both for me. So you can ask him. All righty. Skydiving Comrade 1648 says a whole year regarding a whole year's worth of lard in one day video. My question is how many whole animals were needed to produce this much? Did you know I got to go skydiving for my 18th birthday? You did? I did. You were actually there. You got to watch me not die as I came out of the plane. Thankfully. But my brother took me skydiving yeah. for my birthday. It was pretty cool. Fun thing. Okay, how many whole animals? Did you animals? have a jar of lard in your hand? I did yeah. not have a jar of lard in my hand, which <laughs> is probably good because... Um, that's a lot of force coming against you. <laughs> yep. Would have lost the jar of lard. How many animals did it need to produce this much? So you, do you remember how much two. of lard? Two is what we butchered that year. Was two, um, Those are two moderate size. But they weren't like small, like the Cooney Coonies. They were kind of moderate size. They were moderate size. Pigs. Yeah. Yeah. They weren't full size commercial pigs, but they were a lard pig, which is what we've gone to raising. Primarily, were those the they were a mangalitza, the, they were a mangalitza red, red wattle, wattle cross. cross. So definitely, um, definitely a lard pig. Maybe not as much as the coonies, but uh, solid lard. And you had was that sixty four quarts? I forget. It, was, I, a it lot. was a lot of lard, and we're still using it. Um, we've almost gotten through all of the shelf stuff, and we're about nine months from where we did that. That was last May, I think. Uh, and I still have some of the stuff. I, I like to stash some in the freezer because, you know, if you start going over about that year mark, it can start to go rancid if it's just shelf stored. So I put a little bit in the freezer and then I pull that out right at the end of the year to use that. We could probably get through. We just have to be really serious about like, this is the lard that we're going to use this year. And then right about this date, we need to do the next rendering, which we have a freezer full of 
raw fat that I need to render render before we get to spring. We we do. So we are kind of back to that moment, but about two pigs for the whole family. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot. to use lard in just about everything at this point, unless it's table butter, we say butter for the table. Yeah. Yeah. And it is amazing. You cannot tell the difference from well rendered lard to butter when it's inside something. Yeah. It it just cakes, cookies, quick breads, the things you think that you would never want lard in because you'd taste it. Nobody does. It's, it's a good use of it. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Catherine day 5743 on the video, how to strip and reseason a cast iron pan. I'm in Germany because I'm in the military and need to reseason our pans. I don't have access to a fire pit or a wood burning stove or a self cleaning oven. Can I remove the old seasoning with steel wool? Yes, you can. It just does require a lot of scrubbing. So scrub, 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 wash, scrub, scrub, scrub. You just have to really get it down to its um, non-shiny, non-seasoned surface. And then, yeah, you betcha, you can do that. Very cool. All right, good stuff. So we're going to get on to main topic. Main topic. And talking about seed packets, how to read seed packets, which sometimes can be a bit confusing. They're all a bit different. They are all a bit bit different. And, you know, sometimes you need to find this information actually in the seed catalog because it's not on the seed packets, especially if you start working with smaller, more local companies. They may not have, you know, they may just have like a standard seed packet and then somebody's handwriting on names, which we always recommend try to go local as local as you can, for especially for something like seeds. Um, if you can get good quality seeds from your local area, that is just absolutely ideal. But it can get difficult. And I got to say, some of the seed catalogs, I don't know if you've experienced that or you guys have, but you're reading along and you're like, I know I need to have this this amount of days for a melon, I can't have anything longer. And then it's like, this one has the day length, this one has the day length. And then this listing doesn't have a day length, just randomly it's some information's available some's not for different companies and for different plants and so it can be a little hit or miss this uh what we're talking about today also applies to the tags that you might get in a nursery if you go to buy transplants from a nursery Mm -hmm. some of this information is going to be on there (laughs) and again Some's not, and you're going to have to piece together the missing information the best you can. One quick tip I'm going to throw at you right at the beginning. I always save the paper copies for the year of the seeds that I order, uh, paper copies of the catalog for the seeds that I order from that company. That way, if I need to go back and reference something and it's not on the seed packet, I can go find the listing for it in the catalog and that usually will give you more description. So save those catalogs. Make sure, um, while local and regional is very important, Mm -hmm. you do wanna make sure that it's quality. We're, we're, We're getting more and more options across the country. Um, but you do want to make sure that you have good quality seeds. There's nothing more frustrating than buying all your seeds 
and getting 50% germination and knowing you've done everything else right. There's certainly other reasons you could have bad germination, but um, you need good quality seeds. So yeah. just, just make sure you understand your source, do some research. If you find a new source, you go, wow, they're regional, they're close, cool. Try, try to do some diligence and make sure that, you, that that people are happy with them. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, okay, let's talk about some of the information that you might run into. Very basics, right yeah. across the top. It's going <laughs> to be the plant usually. I mean, this is this is a Baker Creek heirloom seeds. This is a strictly medicinal. So they're you know you can see I like how big Baker does it. Just you know right away when you see you it's basil. You know what you're looking okay, at. You know it's basil. But here they're telling you this is valerian at the top. You probably can't read that. Adaptive is one of our favorite regionals. And right down here, they're going to tell you this one's beets. Mm -hmm. So they're going to tell you the plant. Then it's going to tell you the specific name, the variety. Mm -hmm. um, like blue, what is that? Blue spice basil. That sounds good. Blue spice basil. We should plant that? it. We should. <laughs> <laughs> one thing to note about the variety is those can change over time. The, the variety names. Yeah. And that's... sometimes it's kind of a marketing ploy. Mm -hmm. Like, ooh, let's call this one amazing instead of, you know, blue spice or something. So those can change, especially on non-patented seeds, which hopefully you're growing non-patented seeds, something that does not have a patent on it. So it's open source. Um Somebody can change that name. So just be aware if you're tracking, you know, historically, these seeds start having stories about what they've been called. So just yeah. need to be aware. It can, and it, it can and things disappear and you got to look for it. You can't find it anymore because mm -hmm. somebody remarketed it, um, which in that case, it is. I think it's, it's importantly important, especially with herbs. For the Latin designation, you're not going to see a lot of times on your regular annual vegetable garden seeds, the Latin designations sometimes, but hopefully you almost always see it along with your herbs like uh, this valerian here, yeah. right? And that becomes right. really important. Carolyn can speak to that more about knowing the Latin titles when you're when you're growing herbs um, medicinally yeah it, it definitely does because you have multiple plants with the same names hyssop is a really good example of that you have a hyssop that's uh, one type of plant then you have another hyssop with the common name that's an entirely different type of plant and they're both named that in the common name so when you get into something like a medicinal herb you really want to be paying attention to the latin names before you buy the seeds, make sure you, make sure you're getting the plant you think you're getting and you're trying to get. Yep. So that may or may not, again, like Josh said, that's probably not going to be on your seed packets okay. because do they have it on? No, Adaptive has it in the description, yeah. which was the next part. I was looking to see their description because so some, so some do, yeah, which is nice, for, especially for those of you that really like to get into the details. For your vegetables, though, your varietal <coughs> name is not going to be on the Latin name. Right. So just, yeah. just so you know. Yeah. Um, another thing that can be really, really helpful, not necessary, you can see as we're looking at these two seed packets, they're two very different things, is either a picture of the herb or a or plant or a drawing of it. Mm -hmm. um, especially if you're brand new to growing something. You know, uh, I, I, I'm going to throw out a movie here. I think back of the movie Secondhand Lions, <laughs> where they end up planting a whole thing of corn, right? Because they don't know they're brand new gardeners and they all look the same and they plant a whole thing of corn. 
without realizing it. it. It can be really helpful to know what plant you're looking for in your garden, especially if you're doing like a cottage garden where maybe not everything's in straight rows and labels. Yeah. <laughs> and descriptions can hence help with Those that. Help uh, you know, like the stri- Strictly Medicinal has a nice description down here, as does the Adaptive. Um, and the Baker's Creek does not have much of a written description. Mm-hmm. So um, I, I think they do have more of a written description in their catalog, yes. though, like you were mentioning. So it, it is helpful to get to understand, you know, the performance of the plan, a little bit of description of how it does and how it might do in your environment. That's mm-hmm. especially when you're you are going to pick a specific variety of beet or tomato or something. It's actually extremely important to know because what there's a big difference between zucchini that are vining and trailing Mm -hmm. versus zucchini that are bush type. And they're going to take up a lot of different space in your garden. Like that's a big difference between those two types of things. So you really do need to get a basic description of the plant. Again, sometimes that means going to the catalog. And looking yeah. for that information. And so take the time, especially if you're new and you don't know your varieties and you've got a certain space you're working with mm-hmm. and you're doing a new garden, you need to know these things. You need to not just go buy zucchini. Right. You need to know what that variety of zucchini, how it's going to perform for you in the location, the space and everything right. else going on. And that's going to help you a lot. Okay. Something else you're going to see in the seed packet or the catalog and or the plant tag. And you really, really, really need to get a grip on this particular thing is your plant designations. And this is going to include whether your plant is organic. It should be labeled if it's truly organic. It should be like, if it's like been grown is. organically, mm-hmm. whether it's a hybrid or open pollinated or non-GMO, those things are all important. And we have covered this in detail. We actually have blog posts out about this. So I'm not going to go into all these things right now. I'm sure you guys have heard a lot of talks about it, but I don't want to get bogged down in what all these things are. Also heirloom, that'll be on there. Um, and then if it's grown, usually outside of the United States, there might be a fair trade label on it. I don't, I've never seen any fair trade label for something that's grown inside the United States. And I don't think there is a reason why you would do that, honestly, because of our labor laws we here in the United yeah, States. Yeah, we generally, you know, are supposed to have the labor laws that, yeah. that uh, help ensure that we're so doing things well. Hopefully you're able to grow seeds that, to grow plants from seeds that were inside your own country. But yeah. uh, if not, fair trade is always a great thing to look at. Yep. So um, next is the hardiness zone. And this only really applies for if you're growing perennials, yeah. like this valerian right here. This is a perennial herb. Yeah. And you need to know your hardiness zone. So the whole country is mapped out in, in zones based on lowest uh, experience temperature which helps determine which varieties you can grow. And again, we're talking about perennials. The discussion's a little bit different for annual vegetables, but Mm -hmm. for your perennial herbs, your perennial fruits, your trees, you gotta know your hardiness zone. It's real easy to look up on um, USDA site somewhere. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm sure we can get a link for that down below if you don't know it. This does not have it on the packet. So this is one you have to go to the catalog. So this is just information you really need to know before you even buy the seeds. Will this overwinter at your location? And if not, some plants can be grown as an annual, even if they won't overwinter. 
Yeah, they'll yeah. die back. They'll die the back. tops completely die back, but they'll grow back from that. So they, sometimes. Some, sometimes. Well, if you it grow it as an annual, they might completely die off. Like tomatoes are technically perennials, but for most of us in the United States, they're not, you know, they die back completely 100% every single year and they're not going to come back. We've got so. friends that are growing peppers as perennials up here. They bring them inside. Bring them inside. That's pretty and, cool. Yeah. And, and so that's, that's a whole other discussion. But, yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. So... So something else there, but okay. Then oftentimes they're going to talk about when to plant. Oftentimes, Mm -hmm. sometimes, maybe if you're lucky, they're going to talk about when to plant. Well, and there's some things that go in, go together with when to plant. I guess go ahead and start with that. Yeah. Yeah. That seems to be really hit or miss, honestly, and information Mm -hmm. on catalogs. They kind of assume that you know when to grow your tomatoes or when to start your basil. Um, And one thing that we found incredibly helpful is a Clyde's Garden Planner. Absolutely. Yeah. It just, it kind of takes all that information and it puts it into one, including a lot of the next things that we're going to talk about when it comes to information that may or may not be on the on the uh, seed packet. So this is one thing that, especially again, if you're working with these companies that have the seed packets or the catalogs that are maybe a little shy in information, get yourself a Clyde's Garden Planner. They, they only cost a couple dollars and they kind of just encompass all the information right here. So you don't need to go scramble and look for it. All well, the, the seed companies aren't going to, they're not going to give you this kind of chart where you can take your last frost date, last average frost date, and then line up a planting schedule. So right. that's where you really need something like Clyde's, especially if you're brand new, as you get to know your property, you kind of start to know those things, but we even come back and reference them at mm-hmm. times because we haven't grown something in a while or just, you know, need, need a little help with strategy. So very, very helpful. Well, and you're really bringing out a great point because it, the seed companies are going to say, you know, three weeks before your last frost date, when you have something like a Clyde's, you actually line up what is your last yeah, frost there, date on the calendar. Right here with that red line. And so instead of three weeks before or after your last frost date, you end up with a date you can write on your calendar, yep. which is really, Extremely really helpful. helpful. <laughs> sure is. Good. Okay. So a few key other things that you want to be thinking about and um, which is kind of, you know, sprouting days, ideal temperature, seed depth, plant spacing. Is it frost hardy? How much sun does it need? These are all the ones that Baker Creek gives, which is really, really nice. Mm -hmm. Um, Not all seed packets do that, Mm -hmm. Um, but you need to know these things. You need to know the planting depth of the seed. Mm -hmm. Now, good rule of thumb is twice the length of the seed. Right. Um, but not always. I plant carrots deeper than that. And yeah, and I started getting excellent success with carrots. So I tend to err a little bit deeper, but knowing that planting depth and then a lot of, see, this has it here, seed depth, quarter inch for this basil. Yeah. So very good germination with that. Yeah. Uh, and again, the rule of thumb, the smaller the seed, the closer to the surface you plant right generally Generally. yeah yeah um i mean this tells you like how long to expect it to sprout six Mm -hmm. to ten days it's very very handy yeah nice especially if you're new and you're like is it coming is it coming you know or if you're starting it indoors yeah or working with seeds that you don't know if their germination rate is very good maybe you're a little older seed and you get to that 10 day mark it says six to ten days and you're not seeing anything it's like got a problem you better start again yeah (laughs) ideal soil temperature that's real nice to know different Mm -hmm. varieties do well you know spinach will sprout as low as like 35 degrees in the soil 
it doesn't grow very, very well because well, I was proud of it going, oh, cool, I can get spinach going really <laughs> early. And yeah, it comes up and then it sits there. Um, but nonetheless, it's very helpful to know because you don't want to be, you know, you, you could be planting seeds. They're not coming up and you're thinking your germination rate's bad when your soil is just too cool. Right. So exactly. you need to know that about the variety that you're planting. Now, all of the seed spacing things that they talk about, and that's another one that's mm-hmm. on here when we talk about speed, seed spacing, plant spacing, row width, row, what do you call that? Width and distance um, or something. I don't yeah. know. Well, how um, far apart the rows are versus how far apart the plants are within right, their go. row. Yeah. All of those things are when they put them on something like a seed packet, that is a very, very general guideline. Mm-hmm. And those things should really, when you get into a little bit more advanced gardening, they should really be determined more by your soil and your climate. water mm-hmm. and your climate and the actual situation of your garden than they are by a seed packet yeah. or the type of seed. And we've really found that true. Some things we can really pack in there, some things, and in some locations, you really need to give more space. Maybe you just don't have enough water. Yeah, you're in a, you're in a dry environment. We we saw once in Mexico in a very dry environment, rows of watermelons. The the rows were twenty feet apart, and the plants were ten feet apart. Now American agriculture would just load that and think what a space waste of space. However, this was dry farming in a very dry environment. I don't. I think there are like eleven to twelve inches of rain a year. Dry farming, and those plants were huge and lush with giant watermelons on them. So there's a lot of factors to, to understanding how you want to do it. But I, I think the takeaway, especially if you're getting started and you've got general good conditions mm-hmm. and you're learning, you know, just start with a gen- general plant spacing that's recommended and then you'll learn as you go. Right. And so that is useful to have. And I think Clyde's even, um, it does. So the nice thing about Clyde's is it gives, uh, you know, suggestions for uh, a lot of varieties, not everything in the book, but certainly helps you out with a lot of common We're things. talking a lot about Clyde's today, and it's because we actually use this in our house mm-hmm. every, every single year, year and there, all there. through. Um, you know, it, this is actually the tool that we use and we love. So that's why we're talking about it, and we refer back to it all the time, is because we have one of these things, like slid in every garden uh, notebook that we have, because mm-hmm. we just come back to it all the time. Yeah, we have a few. And Clyde's does give a discount. They're not expensive at all to begin with. Right. But we do have a coupon code or something. We'll get that down there as yeah. well. And and that'll give you a, a little bit off of, off of the thing. Some other things that might be on your plant tag or your seed um, packet, if not find out in the catalog, is how much sun versus shade a plant needs. Mm -hmm. Now, when we're talking about your regular annual vegetable garden, for the most part, you kind of want a lot of sun. (laughs) Just like you want a sunny spot. There are times, though, that you might not. Like if you live in a very, very hot area and you're trying to grow greens throughout the summer, you may want some shade there. Well, and, and your greens, a lot of your brassicas, they, they, you know, they can go in a place. If you've got a garden that does have, you know, not as long as direct sunlight, they can do well in those environments. The general rule of thumb is that if a plant says on the packet that it needs full sun, we're talking six to eight hours of direct sun sun a day. If we're talking about part sun or sometimes it says part shade, 
yesterday the same thing. <laughs> um, it means more like three to six hours, usually with a preference for the afternoon being the shade time when it's excessively hot. Yeah. So yeah. just just to give a guideline for that. Well, the other thing this knowledge helps you do is strategize where you're going to plant in your garden, mm-hmm. especially the smaller space you have. You really want to maximize and be careful. You don't want, say, corn shading out your peppers or something that needs a lot of sun and a lot of heat. And so understanding the needs of the plant can help you understand how to lay out your garden and getting maybe some of the taller things to the backdrop, you know, once you know your, your, um, position, I'm losing the right word, but, um, and, and get that planting in the right order so that, that things that are tall that need more sun don't shade out things that are short that need more sun. Right. On the other hand, those tall things that need more sun can intentionally shade things that need a little yeah. less sun yeah. and a little less heat. You want to grow some lettuce through the summer that doesn't do so well in the heat, get it under that corn. Yeah. And, and lots of strategies like that. Lots of things one. you can do. Yep. Another really important thing to pay attention to, and this I'm finding more and more important for us. In fact, this year I'm going to be calendaring out and putting on the calendar this date, which I've never done before. Mm-hmm. And that's the days to maturity on a plant. I want to start tracking actually how long a plant variety. So takes you're, you're going to actually track line. them because we've, we've, yeah. we've planned and we've actually tried to plant part of this is like planning your planting season so that you stagger your harvest season. Right. So that's part of it. I think what you're talking about is actually like, we haven't actually like tracked it super well. Right. How, how did it turn out real well in a very technical way? Absolutely. Yeah. That way I can have a real rough idea in the kitchen <laughs> and for harvest um, to when I need to actually harvest something yeah. and be prepared to yeah. harvest something. So you guys, um, those are the top things that you need to look for either on your seed packet, your plant tag somewhere. You need to look for those things um, before you order the seeds, before you buy the plant, or at least before you stick it in the ground so you can understand. It's well, and as you're planning, you don't want to go do all the planning and then go do this. You, you kind of need to do a combination so that you're buying the right varieties for your garden plan. That's going to help bring it all together and help create more success in your garden. Absolutely. We have a bunch of blog posts on these things for you guys so that you can actually get the written, uh, you know, version of it. So we'll make sure to put those in the description below so that you can check those out, including choosing seeds and when to start your seeds indoors how to start them, things like that. So you guys, it's been great hanging out with you today and we'll see you in two weeks for an interview with Mary from Mary's Nest. And that'll be fun. Happy planning. (laughs) Goodbye. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Pantry Chat, Food for Thought. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, rate, and review. To view the show notes and any other resources mentioned on this episode, you can learn more at homesteadingfamily.com slash podcast. We'll see you soon. Goodbye.